Genesis 35, we're going to be getting, uh, reading in the first verse. Uh, my subject matter, matter tonight is experiencing God, and I am going to be talking about and sharing a message on uh, go back to Bethel. Verse 1, chapter 35. Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there and make an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. And Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you, purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me in the way which I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods which were in their hands and the earrings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree which is by Shechem. And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were all around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all the people who were with him. And he built an altar there and called the place El Bethel, because there God appeared to him when he fled from the face of his brother. Verse 9. Then God appeared to Jacob again, when he came from Padan Aran and blessed him and said to him, your name is Jacob, your name shall not be called Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. Also, God said to him, I am God almighty, be fruitful and multiply a nation and a company of nations shall, shall proceed from you. And kings shall come from your body. The land which I gave Abraham and Isaac I give to you and to your descendants after you I give this land. Then God went up from him in the place where he talked with him. So Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him, a pillar of stone, and he poured a drink offering on it and he poured oil on it. And Jacob called the name of the place where God spoke with him Bethel. Jacob is in another season of turmoil and trouble in his life. This is, this is 20 years after the first experience that he had had with the presence and the person of God at a place that originally was known as Luz, but was changed to Bethel. Bethel means the house of God. In the first season in which Jacob encountered and experienced the person in the presence of God, uh, there was a lot of trouble at home. It wasn't that he came from bad parenting. It wasn't that mom and dad had failed horrifically. It was that, you know, human nature had changed and sin had entered into the heart of men. And because of this, there was selfishness that began to be displayed. Jacob being a little more maybe crafty than Esau, uh, not only, you know, got his birthright, but ended up getting his blessing through many deceitful ways. And the name Jacob means surplanner, or he was a deceiver. Uh, the original Hebrew language is, in, in a word picture, it's like him grabbing the heel. And that's exactly the way that he came out of his mother's womb. He was grabbing at his brother's heel. And uh, he grasped it and... He would take advantage of any situations that maybe could cause him to go a little farther faster. He wasn't really interested in the, the slow and steady process. If he could get it, 
by taking a shortcut or by taking a detour, he would do it. And, and even though there was a tremendous risk involved with him, you know, getting the blessing and the birthright, he was willing to go through that awkwardness and go through the process in order to have both of those. And so once that Esau found that his brother had deceived their father upon his deathbed, he was furious. I would say that he was more than furious. It was his intent to kill his brother. Upon that moment, Jacob's mother, Rebecca, realized, if I don't get Jacob out of here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose my son. And so since she was endeared to him, she set up a plan and said, you know, your brother's desire is to kill you. And um, so I want you to leave. And the first night away from home, he encountered and experienced God for the first time on his own. Now, he knew his grandfather and his father had faith, but it had somehow... It was not a part of his story yet. It wasn't a part of his life. And what's interesting to me is now Jacob is 20 years past that experience that we're going to read about here in a minute. And he's in another troubled season. At this point in time, he's he's a very wealthy man. He has 11 sons and we know at least one daughter, Dinah. And recently, his daughter uh, had been raped by one of the Hittites or Hivites, which are sort of the same tribe. And it was uh, the chief's son who fastened his eyes on Dinah and, uh, and manipulated her and then uh, took advantage of her and stole her innocence and robbed her of her purity. Now, when her brothers found out about it, they played cool in front of dad. But once they got outside of dad's presence, it was it. They went back into the village and they slaughtered everybody. They wreaked havoc. They were so indignant of what had happened to their sister that they took matters into their own hands. And they just, they, uh, they went in and cleaned clock. And they had no mercy. They showed no mercy. And then when their dad found out about it, when Jacob found out about what his sons had done, it had crushed him. It broke his heart. And he said, you have brought tremendous trouble into my home. And now I will be sought after and hunted. And I won't have anywhere to go where I can have safety or find refuge. You have made my life a very difficult place. Now, the reason I'm giving the history, and some of you, this is good to be reminded of, is on it's intentional to let you know that there's no perfect family. Now, there's a lot of people that present themselves perfectly polished on social media, but there's no such thing as a perfect family. There's no such thing as a perfect vacation. There's no such thing as perfection outside of heaven. We live in a broken sinful world and it has touched each and every one of us now we are the redeemed of the lord we're blessed we're righteous we're all of those things but we also fall short in many ways 
And none of us have arrived. Not any of us could toot our horn or fluff our feathers and say, aren't we pretty like a peacock? That would just show how ugly we really are if we really want to consider or think about it. And so sometimes, you know, when we think about Abraham and Sarah, we think about Isaac and Rebecca, we think about Jacob and and Rachel and You know, we think about, man, these are the founding families of the faith. They they really were solid and, man, just probably didn't have much dysfunctional issues in their home. And when you read the stories of their life, and we just get windows into their life, right? We don't get day in and day out activity, but we get this information so that we would understand that even when we're not faithful or perfect, God is. He cannot deny himself. He is faithful even when we're not. And in this particular scenario, um, Jacob is concerned not only for his safety, for his son's safety. I mean, they have unleashed a hornet's nest into their world. And so he's in another season of trouble and God shows up. What does the psalmist say? God is in very present help when? Time of trouble, a time of need. When we need him the most, he is the most reliable. When we have been maybe the most dysfunctional, he comes in And he is really good at making lemonade out of all of our lemons. And he initiates this command to go back to Bethel to Jacob. To go back. I want you to go back where you first met me. I want you to remember the experience that you and I had 20 years ago. Now we we know... Some of the things that took place in in Jacob's life over this twenty year timeline, uh, we know he was you know still on the run, but uh, there came a season where he was reconciled with his brother Esau, and we can see that Jacob's nature had changed, and he he graciously sent gifts to his brother prior to their re, re, reunion. And he wanted to be reconciled to his brother. He realized that he had shamed his brother. He had dishonored his brother. And he was, he was ostracized from his family and, and he didn't want that anymore. And so he was trying to make amends for his past mistakes. And, and his brother, we can see there was some maturity in his brother also because Esau didn't take his head off at the shoulders. His, his brother even asked, why are you sending all of this to me, I, the Lord has blessed me as I can see he has blessed you. So there was a reconciliation with his brother. And that's, a, that's something to say thanks be to God for. So if you have uh, siblings or maybe you're one of those siblings or you have children and they're estranged to one another, there's a message here for all of us that, you know, the story of their life isn't over yet. There's different seasons, and, and given enough seasons, most people come to their senses if someone's praying for them. And so now here we are, though, and God gives Jacob three things to do. 
And they're, they're, they're beyond just instructions. They're actually commandments. Before you go back to Bethel, this is what I want you to do. I want you to get rid of all your idols. Now, it's interesting to me, and we're going to read it here in a minute, that 20 years before this second encounter and experience with God, that for Jacob, God was all that he needed. Now, 20 years later, he had picked up a few things that had slowed and weighed him down in his relationship with God. He had picked up a few idols. Uh, his father-in-law was, uh, was a pagan, and he was a man who had a lot of idols in his house. As a matter of fact, when he, when he went after Jacob, because Jacob was so concerned about leaving his father-in-law and taking Rachel and Leah and their children and leaving, that he did it stealth mode, and his father-in-law came and found him and said, why did you leave the way that you left? Why didn't you let me celebrate with my family? Why couldn't you have left on the up and up? And he said, and then why did you take all of my idols with you? So somewhere in Jacob's life, he went from God being more than enough to now he had to have some more gods. And his wives picked up gods, his servants picked up gods, and so they all had idols, and they all got rid of them, including, you know, what we would call uh, some of the, the idols of, of gold and silver as well as some others. And and then he went and buried them under an oak tree, which is a whole other message I won't get into because that's really symbolic. And he it was closure. That, okay, I, I got rid of my idols. The second thing he asked him to do was purify yourself. You and everyone with you, you, your household, your servants, all your traveling companions, before you go back to Bethel, I want you to purify yourself. And what this meant at that time was I want you to go and I want you to scrub from head to toe. You know, if uh, my mom used to say to me when I was a kid, you can't get out of the bath until you're all wrinkly, Doug. And then you can get out of the bath. That way I knew I had a good soaking. So head to toe, I want you to, to get cleaned up. Then I want you to clean your clothes. So when he was instructed to go back, purify you, clean your clothes. And then abstain from any intimate relationship with your spouse. No sexual activity. And go back to Bethel. And he's not saying that sex is inappropriate or bad. But what the Lord is saying is, I want your attention. I want your affection. I want your love. I don't want you to transfer it to anybody else right now. I want your attention, your affection, and your love. I don't want any other idols before me. I want you to go back to Bethel. I want you to go back with no idols. And I want you to go back with a pure heart. The third thing he asked him to do was, I want you to get on a completely set of new clothes. Put on new garments. And these new garments were not to be woven with other fabrics. They were to be one type of fabric. And that's what it was. And once again, it speaks of God saying, you're exclusively set apart from me. You are my people I've got a covenant with your family. And I'm coming on behalf of this covenant with Abraham and Isaac. I'm coming because I am the God of Abraham and Isaac. And I'm about to show myself to be the God of Jacob. But in order for me to transfer and to bring you into that kind of inheritance, 
I need you to take these steps of obedience. Well, everybody complied and everybody got on board and they went back and there were several things that happened. Number one, as they went back, after obeying these commands, God's blessing came upon them. You can read and again in the text that none of their enemies came after them. They traveled in safety. And, and they just wreaked havoc in a whole community, killed all of the men in the community. And these men didn't seek vengeance. Why? Because the fear of the Lord came upon those that were trying maybe to come after Jacob and his family. Jacob's name was changed to Israel, which means that God was in the business of trans. He was, he was transitioning him into leadership. The promise of being fruitful, becoming a great nation, and receiving the inheritance of Abraham and Isaac was now being extended to Jacob or Israel. This is 20 years after he first experienced God. So I want to go back and just remind you as I close out of the first experience that Jacob had with God. I had already given you the backdrop of it, so let's read the story. It's found in Genesis 28 and verse 10. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and he went towards Haran. And he came to a certain place and he stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and he put it in his head and he laid down in that place to sleep. This is his first night away from home. Then he dreamed and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Uh, I, I would think maybe the first night away from home uh, for most uh, people, it's it's not so much of a dream as it is a night of tossing and turning and sleeplessness. But here, God intervenes and begins to reveal himself. And he sees something, and that's supernatural. And he sees this is where we get the story of Jacob's ladder. And there's activity from heaven that's coming to the earth. And it says in verse 13, And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac, and the land on which you lie, I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west, the east, the north, and the south. And in you and all the seeds of the families of the earth shall be blessed. Behold, I am with you, and I will keep you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid, and he said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose early in the morning, and he took the stone that he had put at his head. He set it as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of that city had been Luz previously. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and bring me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. There's so much revelation and so much within this but for tonight's purposes go back to Bethel there's not a time that I go to Hutchinson Kansas where I don't go 
by Central Junior High. It's no longer there. They've tore the building down and they put up uh, an assisted living uh, housing. But I can stand on that land and I can say in September of 1976, this is where I had my first experience with God. This is where I gave my life to Jesus. This is a monumental place for me. I can take you to Monarch Pass in Colorado and I can show you where I was baptized in 1976. I can go to the junior college campus and take you to their performing arts center and I can say this is the place, this is the place where I encountered the person and the power of the Holy Spirit was filled with the Holy Spirit. I can take you to places that are sacred to me, to my Bethel's, that remind me of my relationship with God is exclusive. It's not to be shared with other idols. I am not to intermingle the ways of the world with it. I am not to live in impure or undefiled ways. I have been consecrated and called, accepted, loved by God. And God calls me and all of us occasionally to go back to Bethel, especially when we have spent too much time in idolatry or in foolishness and folly or in selfishness or sin, he calls us back to himself. He calls us back to those places. And Bethel to you is Bethel to you. It's a sacred place. And you know what you experience there, and you know how God revealed himself to you there. And we all need to be reminded occasionally it's time to go back to Bethel. It's time that we purify our hearts and get rid of our idols. It's time that we change our dirty, filthy garments and put on the garment of praise and we go back and remember and recall and rejoice in the grace of God in our life. That first night with Jacob was something that probably upended his apple cart. He may have left home and thought, boy, not only is my brother mad at me, I have probably really made God mad. I have probably disappointed my grandfather and my father so much. I have probably let them down to the place that they won't even include me in their inheritance. I have shamed my family name by my poor behavior. And God showed up and gave him a dream and revealed heaven's activity towards him. And he said, I'm going to be with you just like I was with your grandfather and your father. And I'm going to bring you back to this place. Notice the next two words. In peace. When did God do this? In a troubled season where we feel like we're not worthy, we have failed, we have missed the mark, and yet God says, go back to Bethel. That's where the blessing is. That's where your name was changed. That's where your inheritance is. That's where you'll see all the good things that I have for you. Go back to Bethel. And I'm calling tonight, maybe go back to Bethel. Maybe you can't go there physically tonight, but you can go there in your heart. 
I can go there in a moment's time. You can too. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that it encouraged or inspired you to God's best. If you have any questions about today's message, need prayer, or would like to learn more about Living Word Fellowship, please call 641-828-7119 or visit us at lwfknoxville.com.